Uh, today we continue in our series on this same power by discussing the topic, the matter of healing, and how it relates to us as the church. We're talking about how the fact that through Easter, through this resurrection from the dead, this same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies, that it is active, that God is active in our midst, that God is not just uh, an afterthought, but that divine is present with us in the here and the now. And there are very few topics in this whole realm of spirituality, what it means to walk with God in Christ, that are as intriguing and fascinating to me as this topic of healing. For some of you, your spiritual background uh, did not lend itself to that fascination. Perhaps you come from a background uh, that believes in cessationalism, which is uh, the, the world of the early church and the apostles uh, is different than ours, and that uh, the miraculous and the gifts were given at that particular point, at that particular time, to kind of launch the church into existence. And now we don't need that anymore. Those miraculous gifts have uh, ceased. I did not come from that background. <laughs> I come from the world of Pentecostals, of holy rollers, not just your nice, uh, demure assemblies of God folk. I come from spitting and hooping and hollering and rolling and sawdust and all of those kinds of things. And so healing is fascinating to me, this process of how is God active. You see, in the Pentecostal church, uh, healing is a big deal because uh, we're taught that healing is our right. It's our right because Christ in, in, in Christ's death and resurrection made a way for us to all be healed. God doesn't only just want spiritual healing for you. God wants physical healing for you. And so uh, we often would say, uh, you, you've heard this, maybe especially if you're from a Pentecostal background, by His stripes we've been made whole. We've been healed, right? Isaiah 53 we hammered that. I didn't know who Isaiah was, but I was happy for Isaiah because it meant I could get healed. We prayed for everything. Healing is a sign that God is active in the here and now. And then here was a big one. Somehow, healing and faith are interwoven. Somehow, there's this causality that happens. If you just have enough faith... If you understand the scripture rightly, if you pray and if you uh, pray and it's not working real real well, then you, you fast and that kind of bends God's arm and God has to, like God has an arm. But uh, it, it forces us because healing is what's intended to be. And so it's also interesting to me because I've experienced people being healed. I've seen those moments, and they're freaky. I'm just going to tell you. I've seen, and I've shared this story with you before. My my aunt, very, very big case in our little town, could not walk for 12 years, being prayed for every day. Never happened. Rode her little rascal everywhere, right? Little kids riding. Tried to make her do wheelies. It wouldn't work. She goes in on a prayer breakfast, and all of a sudden, somebody she doesn't know plays their hand on them and prays 
for her and all of a sudden she's running around the church. So healing is weird. And I'm not quite sure what to make of it. And so I say all that to say that I'm intrigued by it. I understand it. I continue to pray for healing in the life of myself and for my friends. And yet I've spent hundreds of hours over my lifetime praying with and for those who are sick and infirmed who have not received their miracle. They haven't experienced a cure. So what does that mean? In my own life, I struggle with this. Is this a lack of faith on my part? Is it a lack of faith on our community's part? On the person being prayed for's part? What do we do with those situations? Why do some receive answers to prayers while others do not? Why do prayers for impairments such as Down syndrome or Huntington's disease or paranoid schizophrenia? Why are these seemingly never cured or healed? If God is good, why doesn't God intervene? And so these are difficult questions. And some of us... Some of us resolve them simply by denying God's miraculous gifts for today or by making it a matter of formulaic faith, a kind of a scapegoat. Well, they didn't say the right thing or they didn't have the right faith or they didn't believe hard enough. Or by simply choosing not to think too deeply on this matter at all. But for those of us who are touched by pain, either in our own persons or who are suffering in close relationship with someone, someone who has intimacy and depth of relationship with us. They're they're experiencing pain. They're experiencing sickness. They're experiencing disease. When the cure doesn't come, when the miracle doesn't come, this can erode our faith. This can erode our trust in the one who's supposed to be our savior, our our lover, our, our healer and redeemer. So how do we engage with this? Well, if you get absolutely nothing else out of this, let me just begin by saying this. The church is not in the curing business. The church is in the healing business. Say it again. The church is not in the curing business. It's in the healing business. First came by that quote from a book called Searching for Sundays by Rachel Held Evans. And she says this, there's a difference between curing and healing. And I believe the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. We're called to enter into one another's pain, anoint it as holy, and stick around no matter the outcome. And that's what I want to focus on today. If we're going to be the church, the people called by Christ's name here at Oasis that we're called to be, that I think we're called to be then we need to figure out how to enter into one another's pain 
We need to understand and grapple with and struggle with and flesh out what it means to anoint that pain as holy. And we need to stick around no matter what. See, by entering into one another's pain, what we're basically saying is that there is this thing called pain. There is this thing called sickness. There is this thing called disease. There are realities in and of this world. And it means to accept that there's pain, to enter into it, to acknowledge that it's there, is we need to do a couple of things. The first is, is that we must avoid denial. For some of you, this is not a problem at all. You weren't raised this way. But there are certain segments of Christianity that, that really want to push this idea that when you enter into relationship with Christ, when you put your name on the dotted line, when you shake that hand at the front of the church, everything's good and copacetic from here on out. This is tied up in many, many ways with how we actually offer and promote the gospel. Jesus becomes marketed as the cure-all. Jesus becomes the miracle solution that causes all bad things in the world to go away. Both as an individual and if you've been a part of this community for any length of time, you know that as followers of Jesus... We are not free from the pain and the sickness in this world. In fact, this church has walked through a whole lot of it recently. So we can't avoid it. We can't deny it. We can't present ourselves to the world as though we have it all together. We have to actually understand that it's a reality and not deny it. I grew up... um, in an AG church, but we had a very strong word of faith influence in our church. And that was probably all related to my nene, my grandmother on my father's side. Nene was very quick to say, body? She was six foot one and she wore big heels. And she was not a demure lady. Uh, Looks a little bit like George Washington, and she takes pride in that. But anyway, <laughs> she, she would stomp her foot, body line up with the word, and she would begin to quote verses as some kind of dismissal that she was actually feeling the pain or hurting the pain. She would make it pretty formulaic. She's moved away from that, thankfully now in her maturity and in her walk with Christ but it was a very formulaic faith and it was a very much if you pray it enough if you say it enough if you believe it enough it'll go away the problem the implications there is that we have to earn it it's not a it's not a um, works gospel in the sense of what we do per se, but it's a works gospel in what we believe and how we think and what formula we have. So we have to accept that it's here amongst us. 
And we have to make sure that we don't, as a result of a formulaic kind of understanding of the world, attribute blame. Uh, Robbie could probably give a lot of witness to this as well. I know Phil can. But us kind of growing up in ministry, doing ministry, and being around ministry in Pentecostal circles. One of the saddest things, one of the, one of the things that makes me want to punch... Uh, people in the throat, and I'm, I want to be a pacifist. <laughs> is when someone is in pain and someone is hurting, and then they become the victim because they're not praying right. Or someone has a child born with a disability or infirmity, and they're blamed because their faith wasn't strong enough. Uh, that way of thinking doesn't do anything but hurt. So we have to accept it. The second thing is we have to anoint it as holy. That line that Wayne quoted was from Rumi and it says, The wound is the place where the light enters you. I like... One of my heroes in the faith is Madeline Weidecker. She wrote a book, Tree Full of Angels, speaking of the individual back to God. You came with your all to my nothing. With such reverence, you called out my name. You lifted me back into my poverty, the littleness I was trying to escape. Embracing the poverty, I felt wealthy. I was free at last to be great. You see, the thing about healing, as opposed to curing, is that it is relational. It takes time. It's inefficient, but it's like the meandering of a river. Uh, very rarely does healing follow a straight line or resolve in a timely manner. But walking with someone through grief, through the process of reconciliation, through sickness, through disease, through pain, requires patience, presence, and a willingness to wander to take the scenic route. I don't know about you. I just want to say this to you. It's all right if your faith is messy. Mine's messy. Look at the metaphors that are used in Scripture to describe our walk with Christ. Being born again. That's what that's messy. So I've been told. Um, Jesus once in curing a man who was blind. I love this. This is my favorite metaphor in all of Scripture. Doesn't just speak to it, which he does at other times. Doesn't just say, take up your mat. Your sins are forgiven. You're cured. Doesn't just call out. Doesn't just have someone grab him on the hem. I love this one. Jesus one time says, I think I'll do it a little different today. And he grabs up some dirt and he spits into it and he makes some mud and he sticks it on the eyes. Then he says, how's it going? And the guy says, I see people walking like trees. Well, more mud. <laughs> uh. and there's the wholeness 
in that metaphor, there's so much we could unpack. We could unpack the fact that it is messy, that it takes our involvement, that it is earthy, that there's no distance, that we have to get in there, that it takes part of us in acting, in interacting with the mundane and turning it into the magnificent. We could talk about the fact that it didn't happen the first time, that it's a process. It's going to take time and time. But all that is to say that our faith doesn't follow a straight line. Uh, Mine hasn't. Maybe Jesus has made everything easier for you. And I don't mean in a relational sitting with you with everything, but I mean maybe everything, maybe you came to the front and you shook a hand or you raised your hand and you said, yes, I'm a follower of Christ now and the world just became Mary Poppins. But I haven't met that person yet. Following Jesus has invited as much hardship or more into my life than not following Jesus. It screwed me up in the most glorious of ways. But I can't imagine life without it. I can't imagine life without the presence of God in the middle of that. You see, when we call, when we anoint each other's pain is holy. What we're basically saying in that moment is that God did not come in the person of Jesus and in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit to anesthetize or numb us to the pain of the world. Instead, God has called us to enter into that pain and to redeem it. The pain becomes the crack or the wound where the light Comes in. We could share story after story, and, and, and I don't have to to so many of you because you've watched this community over the last couple of years of how tragic, horrible situations that we wish, if we had a vote, would not have happened have led to great outpourings of grace. Did God intend? Did God say, I think I'll do that so this person can get a little closer to Jesus? No, I don't think that. It's not that cause and effect world I'm talking about. What I am talking about is life happens. Pain happens. And God is with us in the middle of it. And we're with one another in the middle of us. And it can make it a holy, growing situation. I like how Sarah Miles in her book, Jesus Freak, puts it. She said, Jesus calls his disciples, giving us authority to heal and sending us out. He doesn't show us how to reliably cure a molar pregnancy. The last time I quoted this from here a few months ago, uh, I said I didn't know what a molar pregnancy is. By the time I walked off, I had about 20 text messages with sites on what a molar pregnancy is. It's a bad thing. It hurts. It's with teeth, I think. I don't know. Uh, I forgot. It's true. I forgot. He doesn't show us how to make a blind man see, dry every tear, even drive out all kinds of demons. But he shows us how to enter into a way of life. In which the broken and sick pieces are held in love and given meaning. 
in which strangers literally touch each other and in doing so make a community spacious enough for everyone. Uh, I, I, I didn't think about this, but I'm, I'm, as I look at all your beautiful faces today, um, I, I, I see my friend Beck here. And Beck has uh, got a group of ministry she calls Mosaic. And it's this idea of we're all broken but God's mercy and grace shows through those brokenness that it makes a beautiful picture. And that only comes, though, when we have a safe place to actually share our stories and what we're truly going through and what we're about. We, we talk a lot about that here. We, we talk about the importance of doubt a lot of times. We talk about our brokenness. We talk about those things. Uh, not, not so uh, it can be a bummer. Um, but instead to just acknowledge the reality of such and to say, you're not in this alone. We're in this together. Uh, As they were announcing the different life groups, Jackson and Nettie were, or Danielle, um, I call her Nettie. Uh, Kevin's back there, and I'm sitting back in the booth, and I look at him because they're like, what is it called, questions and lunch or something like that? And I was like, you mean bummer lunch? Uh, that's not the point. The point's not so that we can all complain and mutter to one. It's, it's that we can just share. I'm broken. You're broken. We're all jacked up. But Jesus is with us. And sometimes it's hard, A.D., for me to hug Jesus. Sometimes hard for me to feel God's love envelop me. But I can hug Robbie. Or I can cry with Wayne. Or I can lament with Mo. You're here for me and I'm here for you. And that's what makes this a place. So, So we acknowledge pain. But we take the sting out of the pain by entering into the pain. And being with one another through the pain. God absolutely can cure. God does cure. I can't cure. You can't cure. But we can heal. You received a little bottle of oil, and we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. We're going to put it to use. Because today, as we end, we're going to have a time of sharing with one another and anointing one another with oil and praying for one another. Because we can transform these times. The third thing, after we acknowledge it and enter into pain with one another, and after we anoint it as holy, then we stick around no matter what. Elizabeth Gilbert, some of y'all may know her work. Um, Eat, Pray, and Love, other stuff. Oprah, okay. She says this uh, in, in that book, Eat, Pray, and Love. And I want to attribute it first to God. But then, then, then I think in us being like God, we can say this to one another. He says, I'm here and I love you. I don't care if you need to stay up crying all night long. I will stay with you. If you need the medication again, go ahead and take it. I'll love you through that as well. If you don't need the medication, I will love you. 
There's nothing you can ever do to lose my love. I will protect you until you die. And after your death, I will still protect you. I'm stronger than depression. And I'm braver than loneliness. And nothing will ever exhaust me. You and I, if you call yourself by the name of Christ, if you've entered into this relationship with Jesus and with one another in this church, nothing we're ever going to do, no malady, no disease, no sickness, no situation we'll ever have will exhaust our Father. We'll never be ignored. We'll never be unheard. The truth of the matter is, is I get exhausted. You get exhausted. You get exhausted in your own pain. And your own circle of support gets exhausted in in your pain sometimes. That's why God gave us community. That's why God gave us church. We come and we sing and we play and we preach and we do cool things. And we've got Upstreet and we've got C5 and we do all these things. But the point of the matter is, at the end of the day, if it's not about the fact that I'm in relationship with you and you're in relationship with me, and that we're in relationship called by the one Jesus Christ, who was the original wounded healer, who walks with us, knows and understands our pain, and is there with us in those moments. If it's something other than that, then we're probably missing the point. So this is what I pledge to you. And I want you to pledge it with me as well. And that is, I'll laugh with you. We'll just get crazy crunk sometimes. <laughs> they thought that was funny, but I will. Oasis needs to be a place where joy is the serious business of heaven and where we laud and celebrate with one another. I'm excited. I, it, it sucks that Josh is leaving, but I'm happy that he's going to be where he loves to be doing the thing he wants to do. And so I laugh and celebrate at the same time I cry <laughs> and I lament and I'm broken. Think about today being authentic with someone if you haven't. Think about finding someone in this place. Taking a risk. Trusting a little bit. Letting someone into the hurt and the pain. So that they can be Jesus' hug to you today. Jesus' laughter to you today. Jesus' partner in tears with you today.